Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. Mary Beth Ferrante believes you should bring your whole self to work and that the only way we can provide communities of support within the workplace is to lead the conversation. She is a mom of two, fiercely advocating for millennial working parents. Today we talk about our own experiences as new moms in high-functioning roles, how to manage our personal relationships, and why it is so important for companies to break down the maternal wall. Mary Beth is the co-founder of Work360, an engagement platform for organizations to retain and attract talent by transforming workplace cultures to better support working parents and all caregivers. As a former senior vice president in the finance industry, she always valued growing her career and like so many other career-driven mothers, she was surprised to hit the maternal wall. Her own experience propelled her to dive deeper into maternal bias, to influence changes to workplace culture, and to advocate for a national paid leave policy. She's a regular contributor to Forbes on the intersection of work and parenting, and her work has been featured in Today, Working Mother, Fairy God Boss, Scary Mommy, and more. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to join with Gold Mary Beth Ferrante. Thank you so much for joining our audience. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. We have a lot in common. (laughs) And I feel like it's going to be a really great conversation today because we both come from um, a finance background. We both lived um, in that world and both are parents and both realized at some point in time that there is absolutely a difference between um, there's a before and an after, I think, when you become a parent, especially when you're in corporate America. And now you've built your world around this new platform that you have. And um, I'm so curious um, as to when that decision was made, did you know that you were going to leave prior to becoming a mom? Like, what was that journey where you decided like, okay, this isn't working for me anymore? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a number of factors that really played into it for me. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, I had been running, um, consumer strategy for a large, large bank. And I knew that that work wasn't the be all end all for me. So I think if I had loved my job, um, I probably would have stayed, but I already was Mm. a little bit on the fence on, you know, what I was doing. I was very good at my job, but I just didn't totally enjoy it. Um, and I think that's an important factor because I do think that if you really enjoy what you're doing, you can make other, other things work. So that was the the foundation as I wasn't loving what I was doing already. But when I came back from my first maternity leave, I walked back into an environment of a very tight knit group. Um, our team was very small. It was all men. It was all ex consultant men. So they had a kind of mentality of their own as well. And my, my direct leader, did not have children yet. He was just getting married that summer. And my executive um, took two days off after the birth of his second child and didn't even like make an announcement or share with us that that's what was going on in his life. 
So there was definitely a culture of kind of secret parenting and really making sure that you didn't talk about your personal life at work. And I came back in um, and, you know, immediately had a full slate of projects, immediately was working weekends and was wondering, you know, was it worth it? And I think the other big piece of this is being on a team of all men is I felt very isolated as a working mom. I had participated while I was on leave in like a mommy and me group. And, you know, you're getting text messages saying like, hey, let's meet on the park on a Thursday. And you're like, I'm at work. I can't do that. And, you know, you're kind of constantly in this push pull scenario. And there just wasn't in my kind of narrow view in my job. There wasn't other women in the same place as me. There were a lot of women around me, but they were, you know, oftentimes older, had older children, and they really just weren't able to provide the support. And when I was asking for that support, it was often met with, well, I took time off when my kids were little, or you just have to power through it, you'll figure it out. And I was really looking for like tactical things Mm -hmm. that I could do, and there just wasn't any. That's so interesting to me, like the secret parenting, because I remember when I came back from my maternity leave, that was when I realized like there's definitely an us or them society. And I remember one of our sales executives coming to me and saying, "Um, how is the firm going to make up the revenue we lost while you were gone? And I was like, "Um, I just made a human being (laughs) like you go make up the revenue. And and there definitely is a divide, right? Because I didn't really fit into the mommy and me groups. Um, they were confused by my parenting style. Like they were helicopter moms afraid of the children even touching each other. And when I would leave work early and go get my daughter from, um, her little daycare, uh, situation, um, they were afraid of her having germs and like, I can't believe she's trying to scoot and I can't believe she's pulling herself up. This seems so dangerous. Like, why are you letting her do that? Oh, well she has to because she's a working mom. She has no choice. I'm like, oh my God. God. So it's like you couldn't, I couldn't win in either place. And, um, and I'm curious, I want to hear like what you think of this. So like, I remember, um, after my daughter was probably about a year or two, um, after she's about a year or two old, I had an executive reach out to me and say, we would like you to be the person who talks to all of the the folks in your role who are getting ready to go on maternity leave so they know what to expect. And I was so offended by it because I was like, I don't even like what I have to tell them. I have to tell them, like, when you get back to work, pretend that you're not a mother. Like, you have to, like, divorce yourself of the fact that you just had a child and suck it up, buttercup. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that I have to do this. And I'm so curious, like, did you have that same kind of like, okay, I have to pretend like I don't have a kid when I'm around these people? Definitely. I think that that's a just cultural thing, especially in the U.S. and and in corporate environments, right? So, you know, where this idea of secret parenting, where you don't talk about your children, where you don't really talk about your personal lives in general, I do think that it is shifting. We talk a lot more in the corporate world about bringing your whole self to work and what that Mm -hmm. means. And, And I think there's an opportunity for millennials to really break that barrier down around secret parenting and to start to talk about what it means to be a caregiver in the workplace. Because if we don't share that reality, it doesn't change, right? And so if we can start to have those conversations of like, hey, right now, the the status quo is that you suck it up and you pretend like everything going on in your personal personal life doesn't matter, then we can't influence the policies or the culture or, you know, how we can provide communities of support within the workplace. So I do think that there is an opportunity to be that leader, but it's also a lot of pressure when you already have 
two plus full-time jobs of, Mm -hmm. you know, your day job and then being a parent. And then if you add breastfeeding into the whole notion of all of this, that's another 36 hours a week, right? So like it's two, three plus jobs that you're managing. Um, So it's a lot to ask of women. And I think it's a lot to, you know, kind of put that, that onus on us. But I also don't think that, I also think if we don't be that leader, it's not going to change. It hasn't changed. You know, if you, if you actually look back at articles and comments in, you know, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, I mean, all of these same issues were being talked about by women who were going back to work then. And it hasn't changed in 50 years. I was talking to um, Amy Nelson from the Riveter recently, and she was, I adore her because like she actually shows up in her investor meetings with her daughter and she'll breastfeed at the table while she's dealing with her investors. And I'm like, I love you because I think we need that type of activism. And I kind of forced it for, for my, and, and I do recognize that I had the luxury of doing that. I was in a role where I could kind of force the situation. Um, and I would bring my daughter to work and I would be like, I am trying to make all of this work. Her school is closed today. I don't have a nanny that's readily available. I do not have family in town. So she is going to be in the office with me today. And they were okay with it because I was performing and I was in a role where I could kind of do that. But not a lot of people have that ability. And I think I like I love these companies who are starting to create daycare opportunities on site. Right. Where like you can run downstairs and breastfeed your child or you can be there for their lunch or make sure that you are there when they wake up from their nap. And I I just saw something someone posted recently on Facebook and he's like the workplace is softening like the founding fathers and the industrialists would be like rolling in their graves if they knew what we were doing right now. And I was like, OK, but if you look at the data and the statistics, everything that's coming out of um, Harvard Kennedy School, I like we need women in the workplace and on boards and biologically we are the one who is able to have a child, but that doesn't mean that all of the parenting responsibilities falls on the woman. So you want us to help you in your boardrooms and your bottom lines, but then, you know, we, we also have this other side of us. That's a beautiful part of us that we have to be able to kind of bring both to the table. Definitely. Definitely. I totally totally agree with what you said, but like we do need more women who are willing to step up, but it is a lot to ask. And I think there is that barrier to entry um, where it's it's a little bit uncomfortable to be like, I remember being like, I was trying to like disavow my femininity for the longest time. You know, I'd wear the power suits and like slick my hair back in these little buns. I used to call them my bitch, bitchy chignon because I, I was like, I have to be like the toughest person in this room. Um, and then after I had my daughter, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I want to be my whole self. And I think that's where, you know, recognizing that we are all operating within the choices that we have available to us, right? It's it's not about ambition. It's not about one mom being more ambitious than another mom. It's about the fact that, you know, one mom may have a more senior role and may have more flexibility and may able, be able to use her voice. And so mm-hmm. when you have that opportunity, you know, how can you show up and take other women along with you and help support those that, you know, are maybe in a more junior role or don't feel like they have the um, capability to speak up without retaliation, right? So like really recognizing when it's appropriate to speak up and who you can like create allyships within your organization too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I was reading some stuff that you um, posted recently about how with your organization currently, like you provide kind of a sounding board for folks who are going through this. You have a lot of dads that are involved. Like explain that to me. Like how, how are fathers coming to the forefront saying like, hey, I need this type of assistance too? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think there's two parts to it. One was um, my evolution for sure. And two is just the evolution of companies and, you know, this, this idea of providing more equal leaves and, um, and really shared parenting, right. Co-parenting. The biggest shift I think is that we often see millennials in very egalitarian relationships before they have children, right. They're there's more women that have been educated. They're they're finding their partners often are kind of similarly educated, um, and they're creating very equal households. However, when you have a child, some of that is kind of shifted for you, right? The birthing parent is often the one that's taking a longer leave. They might be the one that's breastfeeding. So there's, you know, that kind of connection, whereas the other parent in the household um, is going back to work within a couple of weeks, right? And so you're creating this dynamic where the birthing parent then often takes on all of the care responsibilities, all of the household responsibilities. And that kind of shift occurs in these relationships that trickles down into the workplace, right? And And how people can kind of take on um, what they're doing at work. So I think we see that by providing more support for men and non-birthing parents to be care providers in their homes, we can actually kind of shift the workplace as well. So you know, one manager, well, I've had this happen a few times, but there's one conversation with um, one of the big four consulting firms and a VP said to me, he was like, look, Mary Beth, at the end of the day, if I have a 30 year old man and a 30 year old woman standing in front of me, like I'm hiring the man every time because I know that that woman is likely going to be out two to three times over the course of the next few years for four to six months at a time. And I can't take that revenue hit. Mm. And I get that from a business perspective. So if we start to think about how do we, provide the same opportunities for all parents, no matter how they create their family, and they all have that opportunity to take four or six months off, right? Then then that manager is having to understand that this is the point in the person's life where they're having this major transition and they're becoming parents. And so we're going to support everyone, right? And, and now I'm going to hire the best candidate because I know that it's not going to really matter. And I'm going to need to like change the way that I manage my group to support the fact that most of these people are probably going to be out for four to six months at a time, not just the women in the group. Interesting. I think it's so fascinating. Like I, I remember specifically being asked by clients as I was getting ready to go on maternity leave, like, will you be like, they wanted to know if they should shop for a new provider, <laughs> for a new, for a new uh, advisor. And then um, I had a friend of mine who was shopping for a financial advisor and I recommended a friend of mine and she, my friend called me later and she's like, you know, the questions she asked me were, do I plan on having a family and how soon? And like, how would that affect her? And I was like, I, I it's such an, it's, I get it from a business perspective, but it's such an archaic way of looking at the world. And I think it's so unfortunate because you're 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 completely discounting the gifts and the skill set of the person based on where they are in their life and and what they want in their in their personal life. And that's what do you what do you think what do you think the way forward is? I think the other part of that is that becoming a parent is actually an opportunity where you 
learn how to become empathetic, adaptable. You are, you know, learning new skills. I think that's a huge piece that we, we assume that mom just knows how to do this, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes we're thrown into the fire, right? Like, (laughs) amen. You have this newborn baby and you have to figure it out because you have to keep it alive, right? It's not that it's (laughs) moved to you. And so I think we forget that like, Every parent, everyone who wants to be that that close caregiver has that opportunity to learn and to gain those skills. And in today's corporate environment, especially, they're the skills that leaders need, right? We need people who are adaptable to change, who are able to be empathetic leaders, who are able to kind of take on new skills because everything's shifting so quickly. And so I think if we can start to correlate like how becoming a parent is actually a really big win for mm-hmm individuals. And then for companies, it kind of shifts that conversation. And I also think that's why it's so important that we include men in this because one, they're starting to have opportunities where they are getting access to paid leave and things like that. So how do we actually support them to be able to take it and to feel like they can be that care provider at home so that you can support, you know, potentially two careers in a household and what that dual career looks like as they're growing their family and their careers. Today Gold is brought to you by Live Media and the Live app, now available on the Apple App Store. We believe that a healthy you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. To that end, we have created accountability features on a platform of curated coaches and thought leaders in a wide variety of areas, all to bring each person to their best self as a whole and healthy individual. We do this through time-proven tools that offer personal accountability, measurable growth, a support system, and community. At all times, live guests have access to an accountability coach or to our network of coaches through email submission. Whether you simply want to goal set with a little support or have a coach provide you a monthly plan, we've got you. Search Live Media Inc. in the Apple App Store or link to us through our Instagram account at loveisviral.media or mine at ms.janetteschneider. I think it's so important that I think these conversations need to be happening like in executive leadership convers like meetings. Like people who are are leading and building teams and who are looking at the services provided and benefits packages and the way they view the family in the workplace cuz you're going to be affected no matter what. Your your company is going to be affected no matter what. Um I I wish more people were having these at the leadership level. Um, and, and it's funny because I was I was part of a, a group of women recently who met. And one of them was um, she's a very high powered um, attorney who was building out the HR programs um, with their benefits person um, for like a 2000 person firm. And she was telling me, like, we're thinking of this and we're thinking of that. And I'm like, that's all great. But she's she's never had children. So I'm like, so from my perspective, let me tell you like two or three more things that I I think would be interesting to me where you actually will have the person's attention. You're not necessarily putting them on a leave so they can spend more time with their baby, but you're giving them the access to blend their life. And she was like, mind blown. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, I never would have thought of that solution. Like, that's a really great idea. And I think it's it's bringing people to the table and saying just because someone has a baby doesn't mean that you've lost their attention for, you know, for a span of time and they have to be, 
gone, maybe it's that you find a way to make their work more flexible if they choose that. Or when they return, they have the ability to um, have their child somewhere nearby or work specific hours and, and kind of reinvent the way we work. Because what we find is when companies look at it from that perspective, you're more likely to keep those people. They're going to work harder for you and they're going to be more loyal. Completely. And I think that's such an important piece of what we're trying to work on is, is recognizing that, look, paid family leave to me is foundational. You have to have that at your organization to support working parents, right? And especially if you want to keep and retain women, it just is a, it's a no brainer. But I think too many times organizations think, oh, well, we, we have paid leave, so we're good. And yeah. that's it. And they just end there. And it's really the transition, right? It's this this identity crisis that you go through from becoming this professional person to now becoming a working parent professional. And that mm-hmm. transition is huge from your own personal identity. And so to have support in place, to have programs in place, community in place, to return back to work in a way that's going to work for you does exactly what you said. It creates loyalty. It creates engagement. Um, it improves retention. You know, there's, there's huge things that the company benefits from and the person who's coming back to work doesn't feel so isolated and kind of on their own Island. So I think it's a really great opportunity for people to start thinking about what can we do in that return and how can we support the journey ongoing? Because Let's be honest, the juggle starts when you get back to work. It's not a maternity leave or paternity leave. It's when you're back at work and you're trying to figure out all the things that you have to do in any given day and manage kind of, you know, all the, the things that happen. Your kid will get sick. Like, what do you do in that case? Right. So that's where the real struggle begins. Well, and that's a perfect segue because I wanted to ask you about that. I have I have issues with the word balance, and I get a little heat about this every now and then because I, I have a hard time. I think balance is one of those things that we're constantly striving for. It almost becomes this, like, unobtainable goal, right? And so, like, I believe that you have to create presence within your life. You have to um, – I'm notorious for time blocking and understanding my calendar, but let's face it, when you are a parent – the little person with the needs doesn't necessarily care about your color-coded calendar. Um, and their homework project that you just found out about that's going to require hours of your time. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like when you do talk about that juggle, it's true. It's as you move back into the workforce and as your child starts to become a little fledgling member of society and have their own little needs, how do you um, coach people and help people understand that that fine balance between work and personal? Totally. And I am 100% with you. I think balance is a misnomer. I also don't love this idea of work-life integration either because I think it creates this always-on mentality on both sides. So I'm a big fan of boundaries, right? So how can you set and hold yourself accountable to the boundaries with also knowing that you have to be flexible because that's what being a parent means is you have to be flexible because things change all the time. I think when it really comes down to it, it's putting in some communication routines. So it's communicating and being open and honest at work. So really eliminating that secret parenting about what's going on and Mm -hmm then really connecting if you have a partner with home at home with them regularly on what are you both thinking about in terms of your career goals? What are you both thinking about in terms of your family and the values that you hold? And that is going to be different for everyone. Like, like every kid is different. Every parent's different. Every family's different and every work environment is different. So, you know, what works for you may not work for your best friend or for your 
sister-in-law or your colleague, right? So you do have to really think about kind of how can you build a career and family strategy together that works for your family, given what's going on in your life at that moment. And then kind of putting routines in place to, I I really do think of the family as like a business, right? Like kind of quarterly check-ins, you have a weekly pull-up with your, you know, your, (laughs) right? Like, you know, break out the calendar, make it, figure it out what's going to work for you. And then you have to have that annual review. And I, and I honestly think it's like, at the same time as um, I usually try to do it around the same start of school, because that's when your kids logistics tend to change. Right. So like with every new school year, are they in new activities? Is there something different going on? Are they experiencing new challenges? So kind of always thinking about that in that August, September time frame of, you know, how does that impact maybe our career goals right now? And maybe who's taking on more of a parenting role or more of a career role or what support do we need in place in our village to be able to reach our goals that we are both looking to attain at the moment. I love that because I think it's distilling it down to relationships, right? And it's the relationships that you have with your coworker and your leaders. It's the relationships you have with your spouse or partner. It's the relationship you have with your children and the relationship you have with yourself. And I've what I'm learning is it's when people stay in silos and they they drop the communication um suddenly there's expectation and resentment and there's unmet needs and um it just seems like a, a hustle like you're just constantly running and grinding and someone's got a kid and someone's got a this and someone has a meeting and ugh, again you know rather than sitting down and saying okay let me tell you why these things are important to me we have to make sure the kids are taken care of we have to make sure our relationships taken care of i'm taken care of careers taken care of and actually create like you said almost like a almost like a performance reporting for for the household so that you have a way of keeping those things humming. I find in my own personal relationship, it's when we start going into silos and it's just literally like, can you grab both girls tonight? I've got to do this. I don't have time to make dinner. You're going to have to do this. That it's um, And this is the one thing I've learned too, is like you stop saying the please and thank yous and it's like, run, 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 go. And then all of a sudden it's just like the communication has like dis- disintegrated. Totally. And I think it's where those assumptions become resentful, right? It's, it's Mm. that moment where, um, everyone has this happen. Your kid is sick or your care provider is sick and someone needs to play backup in that moment. And if there's the assumption that one parent is always going to play that role, that they're always going to give up what's going at work, going on at work to be home, that can breed a ton of resentment. And it's simply because no one's had a conversation about it. Yeah. Oh, so true. I think that that's like, it's so valuable. And and how old are your, your, your children? So mine are still little. I have a four and a two-year-old. So we are in the thick of, I don't even know, craziness. <laughs> I was like, what age group is that? Um, So ours are eight and nine. And I think one of the things I've learned with them too, is that when they see us communicating and we're communicating with them as well, as to what's going on and why we've chosen certain activities and, um, like who's on first, I think it also helps kind of establish those habits for them as well. And 
it it's less arguing when we're making our way through things. Like every single morning when I walk my daughter through the gate at school, I'm like, okay, uh, Lewis is going to pick you up from school today. He's going to take you here. Then we're going to meet here. Then we're going to do that. She'll have a few questions, but then it's not a begrudging. It's, it's like, okay, I got it. That's what our family plan is for today. Um, and it makes it a lot easier. And I think you can do that in the beginning, right? It can be early. I, they're, they're so, um, they're such sponges, right? Even, even at two and four and they are, they're aware of how you communicate. And if you communicate around them, it doesn't work. Like you have to communicate with them and include them. And, you know, we have a big board in our kitchen where we just have the schedule for the week and all the activities so that yes, they can't read, but they, I'm still pointing to it. Right. And saying, okay, so this morning we've got this going on and you know, on mm-hmm. Tuesday, we're going to go here. And so it's, it's keeping them a part of what, of that family communication. Absolutely. I also noticed that, especially at when I was working um, in corporate, um, as I started to share what was going on with my daughter, it used to be in the very beginning, I would like, especially with clients, I would, I would pretend like everything's fine. My child hasn't created an issue for me. I'm, I'm still here. I got you. I can work any hours. I'm going to make it work. And then after a while, I'm like, I'm going to show you a picture of my daughter and I'm going to change our appointment because she has, um, she got sick and I have to take her to the doctor. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm going to own who I am. <laughs> like, well, and if you value me and our relationship, right? Yeah. And, and quite frankly, like, you know, in a, especially in a larger company, about 40% of your employees are going to be caregivers, right? They're, mm-hmm. They are parents. And so it can actually be a great way to connect with other people and to kind of open up that conversation that we are humans and we do have things outside of work. And, you know, when we talk about like that, you have to run out for that appointment or for your child, it normalizes it too. It really reduces that secret parenting. And especially if we can have men having those same conversations and sharing what they're doing as a care provider um, and not just being the coach of said t-ball team because I think there's a lot of applause that happens for that of like hey you're an involved dad right but more like I have to run out to pick up my kid from daycare or to be there for this parent-teacher conference or just the day-to-day not the special thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I I was I lucked out in a lot of regards. I'm surprised at my bad behavior prior to being a mother. I remember a single mom being like, I can't take meetings on this date or on like this one day every single week. I cannot take meetings on that day. And I was like, that's the only time the client can meet. And I, I need you there. And she's like, well, that's the day that I spend with my girls. And it's every single, and I'm like, what? Like I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then I had my daughter and I'm like, oh, I got it. (laughs) Well, there's actually like a viral um, article that went around a few years ago that was basically an apology letter from this woman Mm. to all the working moms around her. And I think it is really difficult to understand until you're in it. And we all are so focused on our own lives and we can't fault people for it. But I think if we can start to educate and if we can start to think about, you know, what's important to each individual. And this is where flexibility in the workplace becomes so critical because it's not just for working parents. It's not just for even that returning new parent in the first four weeks. Right. It's how can we create space for everybody to have a life. And so when that person says, I don't work on Thursdays because I'm with my child. And it's like, okay, I get that because I don't work on Tuesday and Thursday nights because I go to this class. That's really important to me, or I participate Mm -hmm. in this community event. So it's just normalizing it for everyone to have a life. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that that's, I think 
we're starting to get to the place. I know that there's a lot of um, chatter out there, like our society is so devolved and things are getting worse. And I actually see people trying to make headway, right? And so I actually am very hopeful, and especially because I think millennials, as they're coming into position of power, they have a very different mindset and they're starting to take executive leadership roles. And then you've got Gen Z coming up behind them that's never known a time before technology and is very globally aware. And so I'm like, I actually feel really good for where our future is heading. And even now, companies and organizations are like, okay, we've got to do this better because our millennial population is not accepting of our practices. And I'm seeing these shifts and these changes and these opening of conversations. And every single time I see a company, especially like a Fortune 500 company, doing a really great job of figuring out how to look at their employees as human beings and whole individuals, like I shout them out on any social media. And I'm like consumer activism, like let's let's spend money on the companies that are figuring it out and maybe create a little bit of a... Um, a uh, a concern or a, a need for companies who haven't yet figured it out to either step it up or, or fade out, you know? Totally. And I do think that there is a lot of momentum and there's there are things that are changing. And, you know, quite frankly, Republicans and Democrats agree that we need paid family leave. Now, they don't agree on how we're going to pay for it or when we're ever going to get there. But even that foundation has shifted. And so there is this momentum of like, you know, we are looking at whole people and how we can support them in their work lives. And so I think it's just thinking about what you can do in your own life, because sometimes it can feel very overwhelming. Like, I don't have the ability to influence the policy at my company or Mm. to, you know, take a big activism stand for something But, you know, maybe it's that I can work on my own relationship and how we think about career and family for us and how I talk about it with my peers or my friends and, you know, really thinking about trying not to to play into the mommy wars of stay at home versus working and, you know, just recognizing that all moms work and all parents work. And so, you know, how can you just have those subtle conversations and and stand up for what you want in your life? I love that. I remember going to a conference one time and a woman stood up and she says, what if the working environment I'm in is a little on the, um, they're a little conservative and they're not really open to some of these ideas. And the woman who stood up said, well, then it's time to quit and go somewhere else. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, that seems a little aggressive. Um, you know, sometimes it's because they're unaware or they haven't yet been asked. And I am a big believer that a company worth staying with will listen to their employees. And I think that it's important that at the very least you start to express that, you know, hey, I was just wondering if this is something that you guys have considered or, you know, there are networks within companies where they have groups of employees who have similar either backgrounds or life experiences who can come together and advocate for others within their organizations. And I think the conversation has to begin individually and then with the company. And then if you're in an environment that truly doesn't get you, then okay. But I think just the, just ask first before you kind of um, throw deuces up and, and head out the door. I completely agree with that. We have to all use our voices or we're never going to see that change. And so, you know, make that ask, try to influence, see what you can do and reach out for support, right? Like there's so many 
people like myself and other organizations that can help you create a script that can give you, you know, a recommendation of how to make a proposal to your company to even think about who to ask in the right, in the first place. Right. Cause sometimes it's like, where do I even start? Mm-hmm. So, you know, reach out for help, know that, that we want to create change and, and create support for you too. I love that. I love that so much. Well, I have questions for you um, that I ask everyone and I'm curious for you, Based on your life experience, if you were to look at a younger version of yourself, how old would she be and what advice would you give her? Hmm. So I think I would probably look at either like my high school, early college self, which is actually a long, long time ago now, but feels like yesterday still. Um, And just try to break down that idea of having it all and really recognize that that's not the right message to be sending and that it's more about what's the life that you want to create for yourself and what are the values that you personally hold and how does that shape your career choices and how does that shape your family choices? Um, and knowing that like, you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself. Cause I think we, we put so much pressure on ourselves to do it all mm-hmm. and we're not meant to quite frankly, and it is impossible. So, you know, it's more about finding um, those relationships and creating the right relationships to have the support that you need. I love that because I don't think a lot of people realize you can have it all was a marketing campaign. <laughs> like that was legit an old school marketing campaign towards women and I mean, that just in itself is in, inherent um, bias. And I think that's put a lot of pressure on women to feel that they've got to. It's like the, for me, the word balance and the having it all. It's like, well, define all because I, I have it all. I, I may not be doing it all incredibly well, but I think it's also like, OK, let's just let's break down where some of these things came from. Yeah. And what the intention was from them, because what I think you'll find a lot of the time is that our social ideas and beliefs about who we should be in life were based on a um, ad agency and a campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite mantras is just don't should on yourself. So mm-hmm. every time I have this, you know, pleading thought of I should be doing this, it's like, wait, 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 why should I? Who says I should? Where is that coming from? I love that. Don't shit on yourself. I'm going to use that. Um, Next question for you. Very deep. Um, If you were heading, um, transitioning from this life and you wanted to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration for the next generation, what would they be? Uh, Such a tough one. I think at the end of the day, it's just about speaking up for yourself and not being Mm -hmm. afraid to be a voice. I think sometimes we feel like it's meant to be somebody else, but your ideas matter. And so don't be afraid to just share with your best friend or with the world what is important to you. Mm, I love that. I I think we have a tendency to question ourselves so deeply before we're willing to just take that leap into like, what could be a great idea? What could be a great I I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I I fight with, I have so many people share this meme that's like, um, move forward in silence, let success be your noise. And I'm always like, "Mm, I don't know about that one. Like, I think it's important to like, if your ideas are in an infancy stage, to make sure that it's only people that you trust and that will give you objective feedback, right? 
But I think sometimes we close down our voices for fear of what other people will think or them stealing them or whatever it may be. And sometimes you just have to own something. Completely. I completely agree with that. I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on Gold and for sharing all of this with us. I hope that it encourages people who are either within the work environment who want to advocate for better experiences or who just need to learn how to communicate with the people that they love and the people in the office. I hope it gives them some really great insights. If anyone wants to reach out to you or find you, where should they go? You can find me on Instagram at work360, that's W-R-K 360 official, or you can just email me, marybath at wrk360.com. I love it. Thank you so much. Always a conversation. Yay, yay, I love it. So thank you very much for for being on Gold today. I appreciate you, and uh, thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening today. I love Mary Beth's reminder that communication is everything, especially in our personal relationships and to communicate with our children, not around them. Talk, 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 people. It saves your sanity. You can find Mary Beth at MB underscore Ferrante and at Work360 Official. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms.janetteschneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.